Welcome to the Founder Scale Sales Leadership Podcast, where we help business founders and sales leaders understand and overcome the challenges of building high-performing sales teams. Hello, and welcome to the Founder Scale Sales Leadership Podcast. My name is Josh Sweeney. And I'm Taylor Barnes. And today we're going to talk about mentally debilitating your salespeople. So, Taylor, you've got a really good story about a salesperson that that was really debilitated by some things that happened in the business. So tell us a little bit about what happened. Yes, that he was. Uh, So my friend Jason worked for a company uh, that basically did factoring for uh, logistics companies. And and in short, what that means is that if an independent truck driver wanted to sub out his services to a larger organization, that organization would pay him in roughly 30 or 45 day terms, right? Well, as an independent truck driver, sometimes you need that cash quicker. So what his organization would do is pay roughly 96% of the invoice, keep 4% for themselves, and that's what factoring does in general. So in the case of Jason, he basically went out and bought so many books of accounts receivable that his organization ran out of cash. So it's it's not that he bankrupted the organization by any means, but he was basically told, Jason, you have to sit on the sidelines now. You've, you've basically sold, or in this case, bought too much and we're out of money. So we're gonna have to wait for some uh, receivables to come in. So right out of the gate, they get this rock star salesperson, right? right? I mean, I, I wish every company was able to have a salesperson that would do so good they outsell your operations. Right. That's a pretty good problem to it have. It seems like a great problem on to the have. surface, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And and no, you nailed it. That that's it. that's such a benefit as an organization uh, to to have an individual that can just blow the doors off like that. But you know what came with that is him having to sit on the sidelines, and all of a sudden now he's scratching his head, pretty demotivated because he's thinking, okay, well my organization either didn't have the, the, the forecast in them to handle this scale of business. They didn't potentially believe in me when they hired to the point where I was gonna blow the doors off. Uh, is this an organization I wanna be a part of? So right off the gate, the initial problem, obviously the, the, the initial problem for him and the challenge for him was that he was basically asked to stop working. Got it, so the debilitating part was really he had to stop working. And that's how he makes all of his money, commissions off right. of us. Yeah. And so he's at a standstill. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, maybe that sounded cool for the first day, you know? <laughs> right. Oh, cool. I can go golf and my friends and my, I'm sorry, my coworkers and my, my boss have basically told me to go do so. But after that first day, he really started being concerned with where he was working. And, you know, and, and, and you nailed it. The challenge for him was twofold. It was about the organization and their ability to scale. And it was about his ability to make income and generate revenue for his own personal life. Right. So, you know, when you look at this from an organizational point of view, had the organization communicated to my friend Jason on the risks associated with overselling, or in his case, overbuying, then most likely Jason would have had you know very firm understanding of, of what's possible. But to, for him to get you know for him to walk in on the Monday morning and and learn that this was happening, it, it was completely unmo- completely demotivating, completely debilitating. And as leaders of an organization, if you don't communicate that ahead of time, that is step number one of an issue you know that that you could have easily gotten ahead of it and solved. 
Yeah, I mean, this makes me think, you know, this can come up other ways, right? So not every company is doing factoring or, or any of this. So like uh, in the case of a BDR, like we were mm. working with a client and we really wanted to place a business development rep in there that was supposed to get them 30 meetings a month. That's one of the goals of a BDR. And uh, they basically said they wouldn't know what to do if they had 30 meetings a month. So they actually said, let's pull back on the plan. Let's not hire a BDR yet, because if they actually succeed and get us all of these meetings, it won't happen. Right. Right. And so, you know, you would say, well, maybe that's a good problem to have. So let's hire them and we'll deal with it later. But then if that's a really good BDR, then you you would be in the same situation. You would have to say, hey, you got me all these meetings, but stop. Right. But stop because we're not sure if we can deliver them. And, you know, for for the organizations out there that are that are new or in in their infancy stages that are kind of building the plane as it's flying. I get it because we've been there and we fully understand. But there, there is a line. There, there is a balance between being able to, you know, just go after business. And then there's a line of being able to comfortably deliver on that business. And as soon as the individual, you know, crosses over that line, the salesperson, not necessarily the organization, but the person that works for the organization, yeah, they're, they're going to experience some discomfort in that regard because they, they're going to lose faith in the organization. So I think the big question is, you know, what as leaders can we do when our salespeople, you know, what I should rephrase that, what, what can we do as organizations to prevent demotivating of any type to our salespeople? Well, let's take one step back from there and say, okay, we, this person got demotivated because they oversold. Yeah. Um, they went out and crushed it and then they had to pause, right? So their money's affected. They don't know how long it's going to be. What are some other ways that you've seen like these weird scenarios happen where people were demotivated? Yeah, where sales reps were demotivated. 100%. Well, I mean, you got to imagine in, in service led organizations, I'm sorry, uh, service delivery organizations, incident management organizations, any, any organization that delivers this service haphazardly is, uh, is going to demotivate the salesman. So the most recent example I can give is, you know, uh, an organization that sells a managed service or an organization that sells anything from installing technology to installing TVs. Well, if they go out there and they sell this promise to the client and then the service delivery organization doesn't come through on time with quality and in a manner that was, you know, aligned with what potentially the statement of work says, that sales rep, guess guess what he's thinking or she's thinking right now. It's great. I'm doing my job. Right. But they're not doing their job. Yeah, this goes back to, I think I was told many years ago at one organization, don't confuse sales and delivery. Or maybe it was sales and execution. They're like, they wanted you to go out and sell it. That's it. And let the delivery team, you know, manage it. But on the flip side, you know, psychologically, if you know that you're putting your face out there and you're going and selling those deals, and it's going to be a disaster afterwards. Yeah. Like that really affects your ability to sell and your confidence. Confidence. It's you that sold them. They don't look at the business and go, this business isn't good. They yeah. go, you sold me on this. And when they run into you later in life, they yep. they remember that you were the one that sold them on that. Right. That's ex- so that's, that's another exactly right. debilitator, I would say. And you nailed it. I mean, Josh, it doesn't matter what you sell. You, you could sell solutions, products. It doesn't matter if as a salesperson, your organization is not delivering what you promised on, then that's going to completely demotivate you as a salesperson. And and to be fair to some delivery organizations, things happen. You know, service delivery issues happen and whatnot and escalations occur. But when it becomes a pattern, 
yeah. when it becomes a performance pattern, that that's really going to hurt, you know, uh, the individual. And because look, some people are motivated by money and they don't really care about the outcome. Those are the individuals that are not going to last very long. If you are a seasoned professional, a seasoned sales professional, then you care about what the delivery looks like for your client. Yeah. Right. That's where you are, you know, garnering the majority of your income, you're building your relationships, you're thinking long term. So if you put your face out there and, and, and basically vouch for your organization being able to deliver effectively and they don't continuously, well, you're going to you're going to really that, that individual is going to think about leaving your organization. And I wish there was a I wish there was more of a uh, kind of a, you know, a process from start to finish, but it really does happen that quick. We've seen it in other organizations. I've coached other organizations where they have this high level of employee, you know, turnover yeah. and with a great culture at the same time. So there, <laughs> something's missing. Something's missing, right? right? right. And, it, and, it, and in that example, yeah, it really does come from a lot of the times the organization at the end of the day is not able to deliver on what they've armed the salesperson to sell. So let's take like small B2B services organizations, okay. right? Like we have plenty of experience in that, both of us. So um, the smaller you are, the more of the chicken and the egg becomes mm. a problem, right? Yep. So too much sales crushes the operations. Yeah. There's a lot of planning. Um, too many people ready for operations with no sales is a huge cost and expense. Yep. And, and, you know, people are sitting on the bench. What are some options around managing that situation? Yeah, that's a great question. And we, because, because, because to your point, we have heard people that go out there and sell it before it even exists. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Plenty. Sell the dream. You sell the dream. <laughs> yeah. They are, they are the epitome of fake it till you make it. And, uh, and look, and, and we've started, I've seen businesses start that way. And, and, and I can respect and appreciate that hustle as much as the next guy, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> I think there's something to that and that looking back on that, there's some good memories that I'm sure have happened, you know? So I don't wanna completely condone that idea, you know, necessarily, but what I do want to make sure people understand is the risks that are associated with that. Yeah. Because if you understand the risks, then you can make a calculated decision on how you're gonna go to market. The risks are probably more way towards the, if I sell this and I can't deliver, I'm out. And as you know, you've seen businesses fold on that all the time. Startups fold on that all the time because yeah. they have this grand idea and then the tech doesn't work out. Or they have this grand idea and distribution doesn't work out. Or a grand idea and all of a sudden, like an experience that we're experiencing right now in China, things happen. Right. Economics get affected and all of a sudden supply chain costs go through the roof and you're not profitable. So, so many things can happen if you don't build it before you sell it. But again, it, it's one of those where you, you hate to have, you know, create, I don't want to prevent creativity by the right. stretch of the imagination, but it's all about understanding your risks before you get into the delivery and the sale. Yeah. So if you're going to turn up sales, right, mm -hmm. you're going to go out and you're ready to make the leap from maybe a founder generating most of the sales to a sales team, yeah. or maybe you have a small sales team that's working and you're really looking to make the leap and add a couple of people quickly, yeah. you have some challenges. So, you know, one solution is think through the operational side of that. Mm -hmm. What will happen? What are your contingency plans? Right. Yeah. So, you know, there's ways you can solve those problems and scale up with part-time people yeah. or, um, have some fractional resources ready mm -hmm. at hand. Um, Right. You can have the documentation in place yep, where if you need important. to add people quickly, Absolutely. you're able to just give them a document and they yep. know how to do some of the fulfillment. So a lot of the training comes in yep. play. Um, what are some other 
ways that the business can overcome some of these issues. Yeah. Well, you listed off a, a lot of really good ones. So when a business is looking to basically scale by adding resources such as a sales team or BDRs in some examples in order to gain a wider you know, market share eventually, your, your comments about starting small, in my experience, are absolutely huge. Uh, because nowadays, for instance, people are really investing more heavily in things like search engine optimization or lead generation or, you know, just driving general traffic to the websites than they are the traditional outbound, cold calling, knocking on doors, flying right. the hill and all that. Right. So there's one, one aspect of that is how you're going to gain interest. Uh, a lot of people throw, uh, a lot of organizations throw people at that. They have to understand that that comes with a very heavy OPEX cost with a long-term you know, conversion into deals. But if you're going to look at doing things like having a utility player like a Swiss Army knife, an individual that can you know, market themselves and you know, go out there and you know, you know, preach the good word, generate opportunity, generate interest, and then you look for the founder to begin helping them close the deal once it's between 50 and 75%. Well, that's a good system yeah. because then you've got basically a, a great pre-sales effort with a, you know, kind of a Swiss army knife type of an individual. And as the founder, they can go back to what they're good at, or maybe a senior leader can go back to what they're good at and they can help them close the deal at that point. People so many times try to hire these individuals to do it all, right? you know, yeah. and you nailed it. There is not... You, you cannot have, if you want to be a, a you know, process-driven, highly, you know, successful sales organization, you have got to understand the difference between, as an organization, you have to understand the difference between pre-sales and sales, yep. biz dev, and operation, service delivery, and execution. You have to. There's no real way, effectively, that is, you know, outside of the startups, to do that successfully. So yeah. that's, uh, that would be my recommendation. Yeah, I mean, I know we deal with it all the time because you know one of our pillars is people, right? Salespeople. And so we get all these questions around, uh, well, I wanna hire salespeople, what do I need to do, right? Mm -hmm. And so my first question is often, well, what kind of salesperson? Yeah. And they're like, you know, you get a deer in headlight look yeah. a lot of times, like, what do you mean? Yeah, right. I need somebody to go do all of this. And I'm like, it doesn't really work that way. That's right. right. You got BDRs and SDRs and inside and outbound right. and inbound. You know, you have all these different combinations. Mm -hmm. And the combination or the type of person has to fit what you can manage at that time. That's so right. like I know one client we had, most of their business was generated. They didn't have a sales team. Most of their business came from the founder. Okay. It was mostly through networking. Right. Mm -hmm. And I said, mm -hmm. okay, well, the first way to augment that is, you know, if you don't have budget to hire a forty thousand dollar base person, sixty thousand dollar base person, then we can go get you a part-time MBA mom purse type that is going to go to networking events with you yeah. and augment you. And now you're starting to scale up. That's right. And you're going to see what problems and challenges come from managing that one person yeah. in a part-time capacity, and you can start to add. And then you'll get one full-time. And well, now you know how to get two full-time, mm -hmm. right? So like you said, there's a way to step into it to start to scale up. Yeah. And I think um, you know we're just talking about smaller businesses, right, that are founder-led sales. But mm -hmm. I think that's the case in, in organizations where you already have 10 salespeople, but you're still trying to tear up to the next level, yep. right? Absolutely. And and I think the way that you said that, Josh, is something that anybody listening should really take in, take in, uh, you know, to consideration. I, I want to add a salesperson. Great. What kind of salesperson? 
That, that's huge, man, because, look, we, we've heard all the different nicknames. You've heard of hunters and farmers. You've heard of, you know, inside and outside. You've heard of right. all of it. So as an organization, when you're looking to add a business development sector of your business or looking to ramp up sales, you really do have to think about a lot of that. Because if you've got, you know, assuming that you were aligning with your vision and your mission and you don't want to become the, the company that's good at everything, you want to stick to what you're great at and train your individuals on what you're great at, well, then you need to look at the individual subject matter expertise and say, is this human being good for marketing-led sales inbound efforts? Yeah. Is this human being good for inside sales, setting meetings for maybe some more senior account executives? Or is this individual just an incredible account manager that should really be more on the farming side because they understand how to sustain and expand within it already previously existing accounts. Yeah, I mean, I think that goes, just to bring it back to kind of the debilitating salespeople that we talked about. I mean, I was talking with a client and they had a networking person. Mm-hmm. It's like, this person is a power networker. But then they started having some challenges with the deals and yeah. the contracts weren't right. Yeah, And I was like, hey, they're not a contract person. They're not a closer. That's right. They're the ones that yeah. need to go generate the lead and bring it to the next person that's detail oriented, that knows the ins and outs, that can close the deal from there. Yeah. Right. So really understanding that because on the flip side, the debilitating side is now if you don't know that, right, then the founder or the sales leadership is now having a conversation with this person about what got messed up. Right. And that salesperson is, you know, disheveled about yeah. it, right? Because they're like, well, I messed this up and they're right. worried about it. And now it's mentally affecting them to go uh, generate know. more leads. And yeah. it's like, nope, your role is to bring them to the next person. That's it. Make that introduction and make it happen. Yeah. So that's another way that we see like this little nuanced thing around, you know, just writing up the estimate. That's right. Could mess up and debilitate, you know, you're right. You're, you're exactly right. And, and, and I've seen that. Your example, I, I've seen so many times. It goes two ways, right? The minute you tell a seasoned account executive to get on the phone and start pounding the phones, yep. <laughs> go knocking on doors, they're going to tell you to pound sand. They're going to tell you you're crazy. Oh, yeah. you know? The minute that you put a brand new, very, very green individual in front of a client, they're going to feel the exact same way, just on a different level. Yeah. They're going to think overwhelmed. I can't believe it. I'm freaking out, which will result in debilitating them professionally and personally. And then the seasoned account manager, if you're telling them all of a sudden he's gonna have to generate his or her own marketing-led efforts and whatnot, they are gonna feel potentially unappreciated and it might not be something that they're interested in or what have you. You have to put people in the right in the right positions in order for you as an organization to succeed in order for them to be satisfied with their jobs. You have to make sure that you're leaning into their strengths if they're in inside, outside, pre-sales, account sales, territory, whatever that is. And that is something that organizations don't really, in my opinion, they don't focus on enough. They say, I'm looking for a salesperson, come on in, and that's it. Right. You know, let it rip, go make calls, go make calls, close deals. And that's it. Here, dump anything on them. Right. And then once you sell it, tell the, tell the people how to deliver it. It's like, oh my goodness. Right. Now you're an ops person. Now you're an ops guy. Yeah. yeah. So that's something structurally and, you know, just, you, you know, some, some general hacks on how to make it better. You mentioned process documentation as an organization. That's absolutely huge. Now here's the mental effect of process organization. If you tell the if if you coach your individual salespeople and, and and you know during their during their ramp up time and whatnot and you've got things documented for them to follow 
and their maturity and their ramp up time comes as a result of what you've made, well, that goes a long way, a long way, because the majority of the organizations don't do that. So they'll be, they'll be very appreciative. They'll feel like you're setting them up to succeed. They'll feel like you're giving them the best chance in order to do well and have a potential career at this organization. And you're taking it very seriously. Instead of just being like, Hey, I've hired a new person. Come on in, sit down. Here's a phone and a Rolodex. Oh, yeah. Well, just aged myself a little bit on Rolodex. <laughs> Rolodex. Yeah. What's, what's a Rolodex? Yeah, it's a, it's a piece of paper and it flips around. Uh, there's just a lot of Googling going on right now right. for Rolodex. Uh, but I would say – Their sales just went up. Exactly. Exactly. So that's, uh, th- that's why people, I think um, – because at the end of the day, if you flip the idea of – not debilitating a salesman. Well, then what are you doing? You're motivating them. Then, yeah. then you're keeping them excited. You're keeping them engaged. And I could talk to them blue in the face about this massive epidemic in the U.S. with, you know, 70 some odd percent of employees being disengaged. It, it just hurts my heart yeah. because I really feel like there's ways to solve that ahead of time. And it's, vi- it's with identifying the risks in communication that could have potentially saved my friend Jason's uh, employment at that organization, potentially, right? it could have, and or this, this massive turnover because young salespeople don't feel like they're being put in the right position to succeed and or you know, more seasoned individuals coming in feeling like they have to do it over and they're taking a step back in their career, right. you know? And so hiring for, as you called it, specific subject matter you know, parts of sales, I think is absolutely enormous. And creating structure as you're building out your organization to say in stages, like you mentioned, is are you going to be in marketing led sales? Are you going to be in pre-sales inside or outside? Yeah. Create some sort of a career path, create some sort of a, uh, you know, an ongoing, um, here's where you're going to start. And then in one year, here's where you should end up. And then at that point, at least you've set the expectation organizationally. Now you know what kind of investment you're making and that investment isn't going to return anything for you until X amount of time. So you're not going to be surprised. And you can pour in to that salesperson unequivocally because you're not expecting this return immediately on hiring a salesman, you know, which most likely isn't going to happen anyway, immediately. Let's be realistic. And it shouldn't, you know, Uh, and there's a lot of organizations that have made it, you know, very, very well over the years with hiring somebody, giving them a script and telling them the more activity that you do, the more sales you're going to make. Look, those organizations, they've done well for a long time. Maybe they've got the magic script. I don't know. Right. But for other you know, founder-led organizations that want to develop sales teams, that want to develop sales leadership. We have got, as leaders, we have got to find a way to make sure that our actions are not debilitating the human being that's trying to generate business for us. Yeah, definitely. So we got a lot of good topics for future, right? We got sales roles. What are those? Some onboarding, career paths. Mm -hmm. We got lots of stuff to talk about from a sales leadership perspective. Just to recap on this, you know, we don't want to debilitate our salespeople. Right. So we really have to break down and look at, you know, what are the thing, what are the actions we're taking as sales leaders or founder-led sales teams? Yep. And understand, you know, how do those actions impact? You know, is, yeah. is it an operations issue where we have to put somebody on the bench? Mm-hmm. Um, is it something where we are giving them a certain amount of feedback that's really, you know, crushing their spirit right. when they're going out and sale, uh, selling? Yeah. Um, what are some other, just to recap, what are some other items that people need to take away for 
for the wrap up of this? Yeah, you know, I would say as an organization, so many times, well, as I should say as leaders within the organization, so many times leaders are not able to emotionally detach. And, you know, I, I can use an example. Like today. in a good way. In, in a good way, right. yes. Emotionally, that's a good point. Emotionally <laughs> I know detaching. some emotionally detached leaders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. People don't like working for them. Way too emotionally detached. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Uh, so I want to say a healthy amount of emotional <laughs> detachment. It's, it's kind of like this. Today, I had a salesman get a little bit out of line, mm-hmm. right? Because he was more worried about his customers' feelings than he was about what we have built as an organization. So I told him he needs to emotionally detach from this and remember what team he's on. Now I yeah. said that as, as, as in the same tone of voice that I'm talking to you right now. You know, yeah. had I written that on an email, had I said that <laughs> right. with a stern face, well, that's going to come across emotional. So you really do. You can get your point across by by emotionally detaching, you know, as you're trying to, you know, consider, I'm sorry, continue to, to motivate your individuals. But, you know, outside of outside of just the general day to day actions that would affect the human being on the other end, the individual that's working for you. I mean, I think it really comes into leaning. If the organization is willing to make this kind of investment in in, in the human, they've got to lean into what their strengths are, even if it develops over certain periods of time. They've got to understand what salespeople probably are best fit to remain in certain, you know, uh, departments like pre-sales or you know, solar service design, what have you, and then you know, motivate. The individuals that are showing signs of, you know, I don't know if promise is the right word, but just of, of different skill sets and, you know, potentially getting into account management, global account management. Well, then the individual, I'm sorry, the leaders need to be able to, to really continue to, to push that button. Yeah. The, the idea of any leader looking at, a, looking at an employee and saying, this is all you're going to do for the rest of your life. That's pretty rough to hear. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. For the most part, individuals want to know if they can move up in the organization. They want to progress. They want to progress. They want to grow. Exactly. And if it's not going to be with that organization, it's going to be with another. And, you know, I can't speak for everybody in this case, but for the the most part, for the listeners that have chimed into this, most likely they are interested in growing and progressing in their careers. Right. Right. The majority of the people that I've talked to are. So it's not necessarily a motivational core problem for the individual. If they're listening to this, they're already motivated. It just really comes into, you know, pouring in at that point and hitting the accelerator button. And to make sure that as an organization, you're never complacent with your salesperson as is in a healthy, healthy way. Yeah. Well, lots of good information, lots of good shares around not debilitating your salespeople, Um, some good options for future podcasts. So we look forward to you tuning in to the next podcast with us. And thank you for joining. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the FounderScale Sales Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed this content, please subscribe and give us five stars on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening platform.